you know, at the end of the day, missing one of those things is not going to hurt. It it could actually be a good thing to separate yourself from that attachment because that's one thing that I notice about people who are afraid to miss those kinds of things is that they're so attached that they feel like they need to constantly be around. But truth be told, if they just separated themselves from their friends, separated themselves from, from their families or, or anything for that matter, it makes it so much easier to focus on what matters within yourself and what you're creating in the future. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Today, we have Alexi Rabadam, who began her her entrepreneurial career at age 18 while attending San Francisco State University full-time and brought in half a million bucks to CollegeWorks that year. She's since moved on and started a couple companies. She's worked in strategic accounts with Robert Half, where she managed enterprise-level sales and recruiting for giant businesses like Salesforce, Lucasfilm, Adobe. She had a consulting business, for early age startups when she moved to New York, and then finally has launched Fitness Media in January 2020 because she recognized a gap in in the music business education. She's filling that gap. She's a leader in business for young entrepreneurs. Her goal is to push boundaries in the music industry. Excellence is achieving something she's proud of, and she should be proud on all sorts of different levels, especially her optimism, the optimism of looking at COVID as an opportunity, not a challenge. Her mantra is, how can I be of service? I love that. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Alexi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making time to come meet with me on a Friday. We're doing the recording on Friday of 4th of July, where most lazy people are already done with work, already blowing it off. And you're here not only getting work done, but you're making time for other people to help them figure out how to be like you. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. Well, I really appreciate you reaching out after listening to one of our other episodes. And I couldn't wait to hear what you had to say on this episode because we spent such a good time together uh, at College Works back in the day. I want to start off the way I always start off. What is your definition of excellence? I think my definition of excellence would be being able to accomplish something in life that you're proud of. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but if you put your best foot forward and you're proud of it, then that's excellence. All right. So if I'm really good at rolling joints and I smoke them really well, and I'm proud of how big and fat my (laughs) joints can be, and I'm sitting in college doing nothing but doing that, or I just graduated from uh, city college and I'm, sitting on the couch doing that, but I'm proud of it. Does that make me excellent? I guess that's an interesting question. <laughs> um, I would say that 
you know, if that's what makes someone happy, if they're not harming anybody, then that could be their version of excellence. As the CEO of the company, as as a CEO of a company, if they were an employee that were coming in to my company and not getting work done, would I see that as excellence? No. But if they were, if that was their version of excellence, you know, some people have different different definitions of excellence. So that might be someone else's definition of excellence. So you can be excellent at doing something stupid. You can be excellent at doing something that Alexia and I don't think that's cool, that, 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 that is very cool. But this shows about people accomplishing something they're proud of that probably is something like what you've done, started a media company or ran a business in college or employed a bunch of people. But actually, if you think about excellence, you can be excellent at bad things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be excellent at anything. But on the edge of excellence of conquering the world and kicking butt in businesses where you sit. And usually I like to start with where you came from before you got to where you're at. But, you know, I love your story and I love what you do. And as you know, my daughter's a singer uh, or a musician. So why don't you tell us about Finesse Media and why don't you tell us maybe how you got started in that industry? Yeah, so... I never really thought that I would be working in the music industry. I started Finesse Media originally as a hip-hop e-learning platform. And the reason was because I was in in a transition period of my life. I was working on an international business when I had moved to New York City. And it ended up not panning out the way that I had wanted it to. And I was discussing with a friend of mine who is a multi-platinum producer in the music industry about just how music business works. And as he was describing it to me, I didn't really understand what he was talking about. And I'm a singer. I've been a singer for a very long time, um, but I've also been a businesswoman and have run multiple businesses in the past. So it was confusing to me why I didn't understand what the music business or music industry was about. So I decided that I was going to start something for artists and music entrepreneurs to learn about the music industry. Um, so I, we originally started again, as an e-learning platform for hip hop artists. But then because of COVID, since we couldn't do live events, nor could we do production in person, we decided to pivot to a podcast, which eventually turned into an artist development program because we saw the need for, for folks to have some kind of community in the music industry during the pandemic. So, um, we pretty much run this artist development program for early stage artists. Uh, and then in the background, we also run a music industry professional internship for folks that are just trying to learn about how to get into the music industry. And the artist development platform, and you mentioned community, there's an opportunity for people to attend events, right? Learning events where they figure out either how to do business or how to enter into a certain element of the aspect of the business. And you've got different different e-events, electronic events, or um, you know, screen events. I don't know what the word is for it. I've been on Zoom virtual, for a year virtual. and a half. Virtual, virtual <laughs> events. Oh my God, COVID <laughs> got me to forget the word virtual. So you have these virtual events where people are coming in, they're learning, um, they're coming in every month or is it every week? There's a constant learning and growth on how to take your art and bring it to business that they're subjected to online now. Are you going to be getting back in, in person? Yeah. So we have been doing virtual events every single week for the last year. And 
as things start to change with COVID restrictions and COVID regulations, we are planning our first live in-person event probably in August or September. It's still in the works, but that'll be a women's hip-hop event in New York City. Um, we're still keeping it to mainly virtual events right now because we have a community that's global. So we have artists who come in from all over the world, from Brazil to Italy to Russia to Ukraine, um, so on and so forth. And we're trying to figure out how to transition from this virtual space to the in-person space. But since the company is based in New York City, we'll probably have at least one or two events that are in person this year. So you got you get two wins so far on the show today. And I think it's such a great example you're setting. And you may not even know that you just did it, Alexi, but I watch the news and I listen to people and I hear this victim mentality sometimes. And especially this generation, this generation, if you're 20 to 30 right now, uh, you've got a reputation of being a victim mentality generation. But mm -hmm. listen to what's going on here in Alexi's life. She goes to New York. It's a really expensive place to live. She's in this international business. It doesn't pan out. Not a bummer. Serendipity. COVID hits. She's got an event business. I mean, that's a bummer. All of a sudden, it's a online virtual event business. And I bet you the global community got a lot bigger geographically in COVID. We call that the COVID bump at CollegeWorks because when you are entrepreneurial, and you're kicking ass, and you're on the edge of excellence, you don't have time to whine. You only have time to solve the problems. So tell me about just in 60 seconds or so, COVID hits, you've got an event business, you're the founder, all the pay is coming out of your checking account if you guys don't have any revenue coming in. Mm -hmm. You have this loyalty to the customers. I know how it goes. I'm an entrepreneur too. How did you go from events to online events? And how did you turn COVID from a business destroyer to a business enhancer? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we spent two weeks not really knowing what to do. I had to shut down everything because we had a, a commitment to put out content on a week-to-week -week basis for our e-learning platform. And since we couldn't do that, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to find a way to provide value in one way or another, which meant for us to start a podcast. So originally I started by interviewing folks and then I realized that other people could benefit from the same knowledge that I was getting. So that's how we started doing events on a week-to-week -week basis. And I figured, you know what, if I'm going to be doing this regularly, why don't I do this on a week-to-week -week basis consistently for the community? And people started just flowing in. I, I reached out to hundreds of people on a week-to-week -week basis, just via instant message on Instagram saying, hey, would you like to come to something like this? And we went from four people to five people to 15 to 20 to more than 100, which was just absolutely amazing. Wow. So a lot of people give up and you know, you know the stats, you start a business, you get a 90% chance of failing in the first year. I don't even know the stats after that. Uh, but there's a lot of people that give up when the going gets hard. A lot of people that sit down and fret. And then there's others. Those are the entrepreneurs. They get it done. So you got it done. You built it. It's like paddling down a river. The river's drying out. You just picked your kayak up, went to the next river and kept going. And you should be pretty proud of yourself. And it's amazing. It's an amazing example. And I hope just one of you listening right now, one of you's had a bad day. Something really bad happened and you're bummed out. Think about what you can do with that bad day. We have the same thing, like I said, at CollegeWorks. We do home-to-home -home sales or, or, or 
business to consumer sales. We're in their house. COVID hit. We had to invent digital sales. Mm -hmm. And then colleges got closed down. We had to invent digital recruiting. And by the way, College Works had its best year as measured by averages of how much was produced and how much money people made this year in COVID. You're going to have one of your best years this year in an events business in COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. The amount of people that have wanted something like this, it, it's just amazing what the virtual space has done for people because a lot of folks, you know, they're not comfortable with being in person and it makes it made people feel uncomfortable before COVID even happened to have some random stranger in their homes or to to interact with someone at an event that they didn't know. But you you avoid that awkward physical space when you don't have it, you know, just being on these virtual events. I don't have the same experience with my audience when I don't have to worry about what my hands look like or what my legs look like or the outfit that I'm really wearing. So it just reduces that awkwardness and the social the lack of social awareness for some people because they don't have to worry about it. They can turn their camera off if they need to, or they can mute themselves if, if they need to, or they can just sit in a virtual event and not have to worry about anyone even noticing them. Because oftentimes if you have 50 people sitting there then they won't even like the person who's in charge of it might not even notice that the 50th person is there. Well, for the record, by the way, both Alexi and I have wonderful looking hands and feet, even though we're just in a podcast right now and nobody can see us. And I'm not even turning this one into a video podcast because my camera's not working. But for the record, our hands and feet look really good and we are fantastic looking people. We're not radio people. It may seem like that, but we are not. We could be on TV if we wanted to be. Well, enough of those tangents. And I had to throw a tangent out there for you because you know my tangents. Um, I want to go back in life for you, though, and I'd love to hear, because we have a lot of people that are in college, just out of college, or someone listening right now who's in the same boat you were five years ago, 10 years ago, and I'd love to go back in time, and why don't you tell me about what life was like in, in high school? Uh, How did you find your path? Where did you see yourself going? Yeah, in high school, I was a bit of the nerdy kid. I was involved in a ton of different extracurricular activities. I, I was very studious early on, but as I got involved in more and more activities, I wasn't as studious. I got a decent GPA, but was always doing something other than worrying about my academics. So I was a dancer. I was also a singer. Um, I was in something called Key Club, which is this really amazing community service-based organization. And I had a lot of friends, but no one that I was really, really close to, except for maybe maybe one or two people. So I would say that high school was, was me just still learning about who I was, but taking on multiple passions too, because I was just naturally a leader. And then you went to college. And where did you go to college? I went to San Francisco State and studied international relations. And so what happened in San Francisco State? How did, well, how did you separate yourself in uh, high school to get into San Francisco State? And then when you got at the, into San Francisco State, how did you find your way into Finesse Media? Yeah, so 
I originally wanted to become a UN ambassador. That was that was my biggest dream was doing something to to change the world in the United Nations, which is a whole other story of um, how I got started in college works, actually, because I thought that it was a different internship program, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I was I was involved in so many extracurriculars in high school that it was pretty easy to get into a public school like San Francisco State. And I had applied to that that school uh, for a couple of different reasons. One was because my family wanted me close by and we had it come to an agreement about me going to a school that was an hour away, as opposed to me going to somewhere, going to a private school in Southern California or all the way across the States. Um, and then in college, I separated myself by taking on the internship program, College Works Painting. And I started the program when I was 18, not really knowing what to expect. And I tell this story to so many people. And I, I know that college works painting was hard for a lot of folks. But for me, even though it was hard, it was probably the best experience that I've ever had in my entire life. And I say that because when I was 18 years old, I was my first job out of high school was working retail. And then when I met you, Matt, and all of my other mentors in the program, I, my ability to just be entrepreneurial and to succeed in life skyrocketed because the amount of experience that I gained just from even the first year of the internship program was so incredibly massive. <laughs> um, in my first year, I ran a $100,000 business and I don't think I was the best manager, but I came back as one of the sales managers and pretty much learned about how to manage other folks and then was with College Works for, I think it was another two years. Um, but yeah, it really separated myself just by learning how to run a business at such a, such a young age and finding my way through just knowing that I have these entrepreneurial skill sets, because that pretty much set the tone for my professional career, because I've worked for many different types of companies. And College Works Painting really just the leadership in this company is just absolutely amazing. And it's really helped me become a better leader for people that I now manage. And I even tell stories about College Works to this day, <laughs> because of all of the experience that I gained in College Works. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. 
I told you when we were uh, talking before the call that we have this podcast to kind of spread the skill set out beyond College Works because we don't offer College Works in California anymore. Sorry, California, mm-hmm. your government <laughs> sucks. And there's a lot of businesses that don't do business in California because California sucks to do business in. So we don't have College Works in California. I got sick of fighting the man. Um, and you know, we have other businesses in California, but not that one, which is my favorite one where we have the internship and we train people to run businesses and we get these stories like you. So if you are in California or you're in a a state that we don't have college works, what would you do to find something that gets you from, like you said, I didn't say it kind of a nerdy high school student. Um, off into college, trying to find your way. What other experiences might people be able to find to help them realize, wait a second, it's time for me to start kicking ass. Wait a second, I didn't really know who I was. I'm a lot better than that. What other opportunities might there be, maybe in California or in New York, where we also don't have college work? Yeah, I think that early on, students just need to try everything. And they need to try things that challenge them and make them uncomfortable, whether that's, you know, if if they're in a state like California that doesn't offer college works painting then taking on other types of internships that where they're going to receive great training, because there are a lot of internships out there that are more assistantships than anything. And it's unfortunate, but not all of the internships are going to provide the same amount of training that college works had. And so if they're a college student that doesn't take on an internship like that, then they need to do something, you know, like work in an office and work for someone who is going to train them how to be a leader or train them how to, to hone a certain skill set because not everyone's meant to be a leader. Um, but yeah, I think a big way for someone to set themselves apart is even if they don't, you know, even if they don't do an internship, just to do something that's different and unique than the average college student. And that might mean, that might mean being a janitor for six months, just so that they understand what it means to be a janitor. And then their next level would be, I don't know, maybe it's running their own cleaning business or taking on something like, I don't know, it really could be anything anything that really challenges them to think differently because a college student in order to do well in any space needs to be able to think critically. So I think just having a college student try to take on different opportunities in college that are going to push them past their, their own comfort zone. That's the biggest thing. At least that's, that's how I hire people is if I see, if I'm hiring someone and I want someone who's very unique, then I'll look for someone who's, who's not doing what every other college student is doing. I think you had some key words there. Okay. we'll, We'll sum it up for you in a few bullet points. If you're listening right now, you live in California, your government sucks and, uh, you wish that you could do this internship that we're talking about. So here's what you look for. Is it harder work than you've ever done before? And you don't think you can do it. Check. Is it totally uncomfortable and out of the box? Check. And really important, you mentioned training. A lot of, you said their assistantships. That's not an internship. Mm-hmm. Is there regimented, proven training where you know you're going to go step A, B, C, D? I've got some ideas. 
vector marketing, going to Alaska on a fishing boat, going to, I just got back from Alaska, going to Alaska and working in a cannery, the harder, the better. Because what Lexi did and what I did, and I, I found my life the same way you did. I stumbled across this stupid internship and it changed my life forever. What we did was we did the thing that made us cry. We mm-hmm. did the thing that gave us nightmares. We did the thing that my dad told me to not do because I was working too hard. We did the thing that everybody said was impossible. And when you do the impossible and when you prove everybody wrong, next thing you know, you're running a media company and throwing hip hop events in New York City for women launching their careers in hip hop and making mm-hmm. a difference across the world now. So that that is a fantastic story. And I love hearing that, Lexi. And I appreciate the thank yous. And you called me up before, but you also kind of just said it now. And I do the same thing. And here's I, I tell my kids I, I have Matt's lessons and I walk into their room and they, they hate it, but their friends like it. Um, and I say, hey, uh, that that little thank you makes a big impact. People don't pause and say mm-hmm. thank you. People don't reach out on Instagram and write a three page thank you letter uh, like Alexi did saying, Hey, thank you for impacting my life a little bit. They just move on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could probably tell by this, uh, recording that Lexi and I like to make impacts. So, mm-hmm. uh, if you've been impacted by Lexi, cause you probably are listening to this, why don't you call her up and say, thank you? Because she's been saying thank you to me and I feel great today because of it. So thank you for the thank you, Lexi. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for thanking me for thanking me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, you are in college and you're looking to accomplish something you're proud of. And so you pulled off a hundred grand and a hundred grand's a big number in our business. Not many people do it. So I'm sure there was some pride there. Then you stick it out. You keep going. Some more levels of pride there. What are you most proud of in Finesse Media? I would say I'm most proud of I'm most proud of being able to hire so many interns and have made a difference in their lives. And actually, actually outside, I would say the interns and the artist development program. Um, we've had we've had more than 5,000 folks come through our events, our virtual events, which is absolutely amazing. But we have a very deep connection with our community and a very highly engaged community, which is awesome. And the folks that we've interned with or have even been hired on as freelancers, those folks, they always say great things about our program, whether that's on the internship side or the artist development side, actually, as well. Um, folks love what we do. And so I'm, I'm very proud to have launched two programs, both on the professional side and the creative side that people rave about so much that I see posts from people I have no, I have no idea who some of these people are, but people will share what we do on LinkedIn. People will share what we do on social media and it's just absolutely amazing. So I'm just, I'm proud, most proud of having built two really amazing programs. Wow. And, uh, you know, that impacting of other people, that's your legacy, right? That's Mm -hmm. what legacy is. So a lot of people, don't have really a legacy because they haven't done much to touch people. Some people have a great family legacy and they've done a great job in their family. And then there's those people that are helping their friends, helping their family, broadening out to a global community. And the thing you're most proud of isn't the money you made or the award you got or the article that was written about you. It's the impact 
on those individual people that you've touched with your brilliant idea designed to help those people. Mm -hmm. That's great. And that shows your character. And, and by the way, I've never heard anybody say anything but nice things about you. And I think it's because of that attitude of constantly trying to make everybody's life better, right? Yeah. I mean, my, my mantra, and hopefully this isn't too early to, to leave folks with, but you know, my mantra is to always ask, how can I be of service to others? I think that's a really great way for folks to, to lead their own lives is instead of focusing on yourselves, on yourself all the time, like, how can I be of service to other people, whether that's in my business, whether that's in just my day-to-day life, because if you can get out of your own head and stop thinking, woe is me. And this is, this is all about me. Life, life sucks. And everything keeps happening to me. And you start realizing that you have the power to control what's around you. Then it's so much easier to live a life full of fulfillment is if you just continuously think, how can I be of service to the people around me? Yeah. I used to want to be wealthy. That was my goal when I was growing up. I grew up in New Mexico. I wasn't rich. Everybody else was rich except for me. Not everybody in New Mexico, um, but everybody at the school I went to. And I just wanted to be rich. And then, you know, I found this cool business that actually found me and then it fell apart. So I had to jump in in the leadership role. And, you know, I was having a good time. And, you know, I didn't make very much money, but all of a sudden I started making a little bit of money. And then I decided, no, 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 I wanted to be rich. So I started some companies to get rich and they didn't work out. And so I mm-hmm. said, wow, I know what I did wrong. I wanted to be rich and I, and I still do, um, <laughs> but I went at it the wrong way. And so I shifted and said, you know, what do I like doing? I like helping people or whatever it is, whatever you like doing. If you couple it with impacting others, you couple it with selfless regard, you couple it with palm down giving. I found I did a lot better financially if I didn't chase the dollar mm-hmm. and I found I find, and even though I talk about palm down giving, and even though I talk about, I never want anything back from the charitable donations. And even though I talk about, I don't want to make money off of friends. And I like to do favors for people. The feeling I get inside from serving others, whether it's food in a soup line or calling a friend who's having a tough time, the feeling I get of just, it's my purpose, right? I get this Mm -hmm. purposeful feeling. My wife hates it when I help somebody out uh, because I get so excited and for like two days I'm running around super excited and it's not why I did it in the beginning, but it's kind of what keeps me going. And Mm -hmm. so many people get lost in how do I make money? How do I make money? If you stop, maybe think, how can I impact others? And if you want to be rich, cool. I want to as well. Um, I bet you you'll get there quicker if you forget about that as a goal and focus on impacting others the way Alexi always has from when she was in college to right now, constantly focusing on the community and developing the community and the commitment and making a difference in people's lives. Maybe that's how you get over the edge of excellence. If you're teetering and you can't figure out how to just become super excellent, maybe change your focus, change your lens and focus on the impact and the benefit of your lives on other people the way Lexi has. And it's making a big difference in your life too, right? Do you, do you resonate with what I'm saying about feeling good when you're impacting these others? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, as entrepreneurs, I'm sure you've experienced this too, Matt, but as an entrepreneur, I've, 
had so many moments and days where I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired of, I'm tired of working and um, I'm exhausted. I've done so much in, in a day that I can't even remember what I've accomplished or that I can't even think about what I've accomplished because I'm just, I'm exhausted. But yesterday we recently just graduated our second cohort of interns and our team, every single one of them went around and expressed their experience in the internship, why they were grateful for it, um, what their favorite part was. And so many of them expressed how it was probably the best thing that they could have done for themselves. And it's so rewarding. And obviously, you know, we, we don't do it solely for ourselves, but it is such an amazing feeling to see that people can be impacted by you. And it makes, at least for me, it makes me want to continue giving even on the days when I don't feel my best. I want to still be there and be present for the people that are in my community. Yeah, I saw there's a guy I know named Vern Harnish. He's a somewhat of a famous business thought leader. And when the last recession hit and we lost everything we owned, um, he was helping me kind of develop this entrepreneur platform to help entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And he was giving a talk and he said, uh, where, when people, the people he knew that survived the recessions, the best had never stopped their charitable giving. You know, I had no money. I owed all this money. And I told my wife, I said, I can't stop the charitable giving. Vern said that that's what'll get me through. And that's kind of when I had that pivotal moment that I thrive on helping other people, the mindset of God, I'm doing good. This is so good. The impact I'm having. And again, I, I know it's palmed down. Nobody understands this until you do it. So if you haven't done it, you're just going to have to trust us. We've done it. Go out and try it. Uh, the mindset, it, it's a change of mindset. You become kind of invincible because you're having a bad time, but you're still helping others. You're having a good time, but you're making time to help others. There's no way you can lose from designing your life around that mantra. How can I be of service? If you're a lawyer and everybody knows I hate lawyers, if you're a dirty lawyer going to law school, probably for no other reason to become rich like all the other dirty lawyers, and you're going to set off on making every business per person's life miserable like every lawyer does, maybe stop like my buddy Matt File did who went to law school accidentally and ask yourself, how can I be of service to others? And maybe you become an environmental lawyer instead of a business, well, business lawyers are good, uh, an environmental lawyer instead of a class action plaintiff's attorney um, and do some good for others. If you want to go make a bunch of money in the music industry and become rich and famous, maybe stop and say, hey, how can I be of service to others? And you might find a better path and you might uh, be able to impact others around you that see you doing that so they find a better path. And by the way, I love when I go off on these it's my show. I can say whatever the hell I want. Yeah, you can say whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, really hope that some people from my past hear this show and call me up and want to argue my perceptions because I love to do that too. But enough of me, enough of me. Um, so you said you were, uh, what did you say? You didn't say, you did say nerdy. You said you were, you, you, you were a dancer and a singer. You said you had some friends, but maybe they were, were superficial. You said you were nerdy. So were you in kind of a shell and you came out of your shell because you don't seem nerdy anymore? Yeah, I would say so. You know, it's funny because in the internship program, I remember I went from nerdy to semi-cool at some point because I remember I was wearing these really big, thick glasses, black-rimmed glasses that definitely did not fit my face. And uh, I had sat in one of our trainings 
I think when I was transitioning from becoming an intern to a manager and just felt so awkward, I felt like I didn't fit in and I was nervous. My hands were shaking and I'm not typically a really nervous person. I've always been a natural leader just at heart, but I remember not feeling comfortable. And then I think maybe six months later, we had another training and Pantea, who was one of the, um, the VPs at the time, she had come up to me and said, what happened? Because I remember getting up on stage in one of our trainings and rapping on stage, just that it was, I don't even remember. I think we were playing a game or something like that. Um, but yeah, I remember transitioning from very nerdy to, to, I, I still don't think I'm cool. <laughs> I, I think that I'm, I'm quirky, uh, but I remember finding that confidence. And I think part of it came from managing others and just recognizing that I had to be who I was and that it didn't matter what people thought of me. If, if I was going to be a good leader for, for other people, then I just needed to, to get comfortable with myself and, and show people who I was. Yeah. High school, everybody thinks that they're unpopular. Everybody thinks that they're weird. And then you get out of high school, you go to college and you start to realize that you had kind of a weird feeling about yourself. And then life happens and no one gives a shit who the nerds are in life. Mm -hmm. High school sucks because everybody's got these labels. You're not nerdy later in life because you're not measured by um, anything but really how you impact others, right? You've got a family, are you there for them? You've got a job, are you crushing it? You've got a community, are you making an impact in, in community? So some of my best friends may have been nerds early on in life. And there's one I'm thinking about. His sister's a really good friend of mine. I hope he's listening to this. Let's say his name is Alex, because it is. Um, I bet you Alex was a nerd. And I bet you Alex is probably one of the most sought after people to spend time with in Orange County, where I live. He owns a basketball team, an NBA one. He has a big investment fund. He has had a bunch of different businesses in a bunch of different industries. He's married with children. He's involved in politics. And nobody ever asked him if he was a nerd way back in high school but they ask him for his advice and they ask him for his time. So if you're nerdy or you consider yourself semi-cool, that's probably because you're under 25 and you're about to find out that it doesn't matter. The 30s are the best years, by the way. When you're 30, it's all about how you treat others and how you impact others and what you get done, not, not what you want to get done or how you get it done. And mm -hmm. I kind of I kind of slipped up there a little bit, but that's okay. We won't even cut that and re-record it. We'll keep going. And I'm glad I thought I was nerdy. And then I go back and people tell me, no, you weren't nerdy, dude. You were really popular. I didn't even know. I don't remember you being nerdy. I remember you being talkative yeah. and uh, reaching out a lot. And I mean, it just keeps coming back to your mantra, right? It keeps coming back to how can I be of service to others? It keeps coming back to accomplishing something you're proud of. Um, that's what excellence is, accomplishing something you're proud of and impacting others. I got to ask you one more question. I know we got your mantra out, 
Um, but I love to know what sacrifices people have made that they never regret. And it just comes from my life of people, you know, really upset that they have to miss a family vacation to work or um, my daughter will never, ever, ever be out of town on a Saturday because she won't miss her band practice or her singing lesson and she'll never be on vacation. I wish she would sacrifice one of those <laughs> for the family. But what sacrifices have you made when you're early in life? that really helped you end up where you are that you'll never regret? Yeah, I think the biggest sacrifices that I've made was, was to sacrifice the family events and the the friendly outings and just, you know, I moved to New York City and didn't tell people that I was moving to New York. I think I maybe told one or two people. I hadn't even told my family. And my my family members would, and hopefully if my, my family ever listens to this, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but I didn't tell them originally that I was going to be moving to New York city because I just needed, I needed some space to figure out my life and to be independent and not have to worry about anyone else, but myself. And I definitely wouldn't regret it. I mean, in the first year of being in New York city, I have, I met hundreds of people. I was I was in the service industry. I had no shame in becoming a bartender when I first started out while I was trying to build my, my international business. And yeah, I, I met so many people and got out of my comfort zone just from having moved across the country and done that. So I would say if for anyone who is ever worried about what other people think or is worried about missing family vacations and friendly friends outings and things like that, you know, at the end of the day, missing one of those things is not going to hurt. It, it could actually be a good thing to separate yourself from that attachment because that, that's one thing that I notice about people who are afraid to miss those kinds of things is that they're so attached that they feel like they need to constantly be around. But truth be told, if they just separated themselves from their friends, separated themselves from, from their families or, or anything for that matter it makes it so much easier to focus on what matters within yourself and what you're creating in the future. So, and to clarify, you're not saying go into a hole and have no friends. You're not yeah, saying, no. <laughs> you're not saying ignore your parents and miss their birthday. You're not saying don't come home for Christmas. You're saying a little bit's good, but too much is a distraction. Yeah. And, and you're saying, and if Kennedy Stewart is listening to this, Kennedy, <laughs> You need to come to one family event. You need to go on one family outing. You're not saying skip all of them and yell at your dad every time he wants to take you to Hawaii. You're saying, hey, worry about yourself. Yep. Some people only worry about themselves. They mm -hmm. are selfish. Self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. So we're not talking to you right now. If you're self-absorbed, you know you're self-absorbed. <laughs> if you don't really care about others, you know that. You don't need to adjust this at all. We're talking to the people, and there's it's different extremes, right? We're talking to the people that are going all the time and pleasing others, all the time mm -hmm. pleasing others. And it's, sometimes it's, it's okay to say, wait a second, I got to go my own path. Wait, mom, wait, dad, I'm going to ignore you. I'm going my own way. I got to go do something for myself that's different. And mm -hmm. by doing that, you're able to better serve those people later. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and even for me now, even though I live all the way across the country from, from my family, I make sure to 
at least call them on the important days. And, you know, I go to California at least once a year to see my mom for her birthday. And I, I know that that's healthy for me. And you also have to figure, especially for young 20 year olds or just young folks in general, you have to understand where your boundaries are. And that takes some experience, but understand that you don't always need to be around people in order to feel validated because everything that you need is, is within you. And you have to sometimes separate yourself in order to understand that. Well, you summed it up very well. Uh, and, and, uh, I, I do want to remind everybody, cause I am a father that you spend 18, 19 years devoting your entire life and every penny you make to those kids. And then mm-hmm. one day they vanish. So this might be a good reminder to call your mom. It's a good reminder for me to call my mom after this call and show some appreciation because hopefully you've gone off on your own path. Hopefully you figured out how to influence others or you're beginning to figure it out. Hopefully you're starting to figure out what you want to do and you're open to serendipity like Alexis is. Um, And hopefully you can still make time to check in on mom and dad and tell them how well you're doing and how much you're impacting others. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to thank them often for even, even if you're angry at them, because my truth be told, my parents and I don't always get along. And it's so important for, for me, even though I know that we don't get along for me to still be able to thank them because I know how much they've sacrificed in their own lives for, for me to be able to do what I'm doing today, especially coming from, because I come from immigrant parents. So in any time that I, I feel angry at my parents or, or my family, I just have to remember, you know, it's, it's not that they, they hate me or anything like that. It's that they are probably angry because they love me and they care about me and they want to be there for me. They just don't know how to, how to do it in the way that I want them. And so the anger comes out of fear. Yeah. You fear that your child is not going to end up okay. You fear your child's going to be hurt. You feel, fear your child um, will end up having problems. Mm-hmm. And it comes out of fear, sometimes ignorance, because you don't know the path they're taking. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't know what entrepreneurship was. They thought I was crazy. Uh, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's out of uh, an inability to understand that letting go of control can uh, allow it to happen. You know, I have a lot of fear around my own kids that comes out as anger sometimes or comes mm-hmm. out as controlling sometimes. But you're right. And I think it's a great way to end it. It's all out of love. And I want to tell you, I really appreciate the love you showed showing up on the show. I really appreciate you working to impact others and take time out of your business to make time for this podcast. And there's someone out there right now that's going to that just figured out their way into the music business and they probably are going to look you up. So if you need to find out what's going on here, you can go to uh, Finesse Media um, and you can go to that. Well, where would they find Finesse Media, first of all? So they can find our website at finesse.media and our VIP artist development program is under finessemedia.mn.co. And then if they want to find me, I can be found at Alexi Rabadam on uh, LinkedIn. And it's A-L-E-X-I-R-A-B-A-D-A-M on Instagram or LinkedIn. Work looking her up. And Alexi, thank you so much for making time for The Edge of Excellence. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It was so great to catch up with you. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. 
make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.